Number two is going to be Adam Fantilli to the Anaheim Ducks, the boys. My boys here. I'm honestly, when I found out, because the Ducks were they had the best odds at the number one pick, when I saw we only fell one spot, I wasn't all that disappointed because from my, this is maybe a little bit biased, but Fantilli's floor is a second line center. His ceiling is Mark Messier. Jeez. It is episode 171 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. We got host Hayden Barton on as well. And Hayden, who do we got on this episode this week? This week, we have the one, the only, the Anaheim Duckian, Scott Conkin. Your last name is just such a sick last name. Thank you. (laughs) appreciate it boys appreciate it been a while buddy how you been man it's been a while life's good life's busy um i'm really busy with school with work part-time um i'm moving back to squamish in 10 days there's just lots there's lots going on fellas yeah it's good life's good though exciting but yeah i'm excited to get back on part of you guys it's been a while probably like yeah, like I think Hayden was mentioning pre-show, like a year. Yeah, trying pre-show. to get you on was a fucking headache, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, spur my life. My life books up quick. So it's, oh uh, man, you're a busy guy. You're a hot commodity on these streets, man. Everybody wants a taste of Scott. Oh boys, you're too nice to me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, minutes in. So you're taking uh you're taking summer classes or what? Yeah, so the education program, I'm for viewers that don't know, I go to UBC, a school at UBC Okanagan in Kelowna, and our program goes through, to be a teacher, uh, the program runs 16 months straight, and that includes um, um, May through August, which is unfortunate, but hey, it is what it is, I'm here, and I'm gonna be, I'll am i be a certified teacher in about six months, so. Is that good? Baller. That's yeah. fire, man. It's what a... What do you chase and what kind of teacher you want to be? High school, phys ed, science, and socials. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Are you going to be one of those cool socials teachers? Because every socials teacher I had, I fucking hated. It's hit or, <laughs> hit or miss with socials. Yeah. I hear that every half the schools I, I hear things about, either they have like amazing socials teachers or horrible. There's no in between. Um, I, think I'm a, I think I'm pretty cool, but I'll let my students decide that. And, yeah. Uh, just do my thing. I think phys ed is my specialty for sure, but um, science and socials are good, like backup options just in case. So, I feel like socials teachers, they always had at least one kid who they always picked on all the time. Like, like to they, ask, ask question or to, to answer Just question? like, no, like he was their punching bag. Like, huh. I don't know if that was just me, but like the socials teacher I had, he always like one kid, he always just like went after. Yeah, no, fair enough. It hasn't quite happened with me. I get, I've been in, I've had a few internships and a few practicums so far, and I have one more in September. But other than that, I've, it's been good so far. So that's fire, dude. That's yeah. fire. Looking, looking forward to get you back in Squam. We have to go, uh, you know, hit around or something like that. The links, yeah, let me know. We'll chat. Yeah, get us in at Squamish Valley. Facts. Whatever. 
But uh, hey, how have you been? It's been a few days since we've uh, <coughs> recorded. Yeah, been a few days since we recorded. Uh, today, oh my god, fucking hectic day for me after work. I'm uh, I'm making my dad something for his birthday, and on the off chance he listens to this before I give it to him, I'm not gonna say what it is, but let's just say I wanted to do it one way. My foreman told me to do it another way. I haven't done the other way, and I fucked it up. Ooh. So, yeah, he won't be getting a birthday present tomorrow. <laughs> won't, won't. So instead, I'll be telling him, like, hey, Dad, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, it will be coming, I swear. Uh, just tried to do it a different way, and I shouldn't have. But, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, as uh, we were kind of talking pre-recording, uh, some of you guys know I went to the Lions game. I also picked up uh brand new jersey oh i'll show it on here yeah uh, we talked about it it's the fog gray as they call and it is one of the cleanest jerseys i i own it's like right up there with my uh color rush camara jersey yeah. easily so that was nice. That was a pretty birth, uh, pretty birthday present to myself. Yeah, and uh, yeah, sick game. First shutout that the Lions have had since 1977. Not bad. Yeah, to get shut out in the CFL is pretty fucking hard. Not so bad. you know you're a bad team if you do. Yeah, because isn't <laughs> it like if you punt it through the end zone, you get a point or something? Yeah, shit? you get a point. Yeah, That's they didn't even make it into like decent range to get one single point on. The Lions, so wild. No, that's yeah. beautiful. Absolutely, Lions D was a brick wall. That... They were, man. Like they, the Lions defense is so good. Their offense is kind of stagnant, but as soon as they get the offense clicking, it's just, it's just gonna be money. Cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. <clears throat> well, um, to kick this episode off, gentlemen, of course, we're going to the old trusty question of the week. Um. Last week, we uh, had, if you were commissioner for a day for any league in the world, what changes would you make? Scott, did you have one for uh, have one for that? An answer? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, the NHL, I know the best for sure. Um, wow. I'm, I'm going to go, yeah, NHL, and I'll be goofy today. I don't think I'd actually do this, but make it all three on three and oh, one small ring. Interested. Um, have it across the world. So have the best, you know, have teams across the world. Air travel is getting better these days and recovery is getting better. Um, shorter season, make it like 60 games, but do like three or four days in between games, really hype it up. Um, that's, that's dope. I said go back to one to eight playoffs for the NHL. That's also a good call. Yeah, I like that. Because this well. wildcard format's pissed me off, but... This week's question of the week, we're going away from the sports world and we're making it a little lighthearted here. Uh, if you were to have a non-traditional pet, which pet are you having? So like dog, cat, bird, fish, reptile, get out of here. We need a non-traditional animal as a pet. A which direction answer. are you going? I have a Do I have unlimited money in the world? Like, can I have? Yeah, a... I will, yeah, we'll make it. Yeah, give me a big ass aquarium. I'm getting myself an orca. 
Oh. <laughs> Yo, that reminds me of the fucking Ed Helms from We're the Millers. Have you seen oh, that movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I got a fucking orca. He's just like eating, <laughs> all the, eating like dolphins and shit. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> Straight out of the movie. Scott's going to be like, his back is to the door and he just turns around in his chair and he just has a big ass tank behind him with like a fucking orca swimming around. Probably named like Zegris or something. After his boy, <laughs> but yeah, I'll love it. <laughs> Drysdale. Okay, yeah, respectable, <laughs> respectable. Hey, what about you? Oh man, that's a really good question. You did. Do, you don't really think of any other pets other than your generic species. Yeah. Oh man, my first, my first kind of instinct said like bear, because. It'd be fucking absolutely just sick to have a bear as a pet, you know? Yeah. They could literally, like, they're a brown bear, too. So, like, a grizzly brown bear. bear. Yeah, yeah, not bear. not a black bear. Black bears You, you are... need to be specific in this gene. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Polar bear, is, no. Like, not, not cuddly enough. But, like, you get me a grizzly bear, man, that thing will keep you warm any time of the day. It's the best guard dog. It's the Absolutely. Best bear. Who's fucking with you? Yeah, who's fucking with you with a bear right beside your back? Negative people, I would yeah. assume. <laughs> exactly. Unless that one stubborn cat just like... <laughs> cats are like, they don't care how big you are. They're gonna like... They're doing what they want. So Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Okay, well, what about you? I think I'm going the same direction as you, hate, but I'm veering off a little bit for pure entertainment factor i'm going to panda bear because they just toss themselves around and it's pure comedy and you talk about the cuddly factor i'm taking one of those suckers zero uh what's uh what's the like zero survival instinct in those bears they absolutely they're so like reckless and people in the comments on like tiktok it's like no wonder why this species going is going it's endangered yeah Yeah, it's endangered because it's like they're falling off like falling down from like 15 feet off a tree because there's (laughs) awareness is like (laughs) below zero but for the entertainment factor, I'm going to panda bear or a penguin because penguins are one of my favorites. Penguins like your favorite animal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. But well, also a very reckless animal. If you watch those guys, they're very clumsy. Penguins, they'll fall, <laughs> fall downstairs and shit. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, that's question of the week for episode 171. Um, All right, uh, Scott. So we are recording a... About 10 days after, or about a week ex- to the date after the Stanley Cup final. Um, I just want to get your quick thoughts. We've kind of ran through our entire like recap of the finals and everything, but this first topic kind of goes into it. Uh, what were your overall thoughts of the Stanley Cup playoffs and finals more specifically? Playoffs and finals, I enjoyed it. Thoroughly, to be honest, I can't say I watched all the games. Just I don't have cable TV right now, so it was difficult to watch most of them. I did stream every game of the Cup final, which was great. And it was, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it was Vegas's Cup to lose, and 
Florida, I mean, I think this is the topic we're going to talk about. Florida was getting beat up left and right, and they had to fight through three really tough outs, in my opinion, in yeah. Boston, Toronto, and Carolina. Three really tough teams to knock out of the playoffs, and I think they kind of just ran out of gas, to be honest. And the Vegas is too good. Their depth is too good. Their defense is too good. Um, forward, Their forwards came to play, and Aiden Hill was like Corey Crawford, very solid and steady in the net, and just kind of made the saves he needed to. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because like when you get like with Florida, so to the first point, like their injuries, they're it's like you know, like the U.S. Open tradition when like the dropping the ball in the rough, like videos before the tournament starts. Yeah, it's like straight. So you know, like those traditional like social media posts. It's the laundry list of injuries after the Stanley Cup final is a tradition you always look forward to seeing. And Florida had a scroll that you see in fucking Pirates of the Caribbean, like of injuries. Radko Gudas from the Boston series was playing with a high ankle sprain. Brandon Montour tore his labrum. Kachuk, as we mentioned on the episode live, um, fractured sternum in game three, played the rest of game three and four with a fractured sternum. That one is fucked. And then Aaron Ekblad had the fucking infinity gauntlet of injuries. A broken foot versus Boston. He had two dislocated shoulders and a torn oblique. And Duclair and Bennett were also playing hurt. So Florida was just so banged up. And after the series, Eichel was talking about his postgame presser that they could have played another round with how healthy they were and everything. So when you got Florida battling that and then Vegas having the depth and health, it's just, it's not going to be a long series. And it was not. Yeah. And as good as Bobrovsky was and is, he just couldn't, there was just, he wasn't very good in the Vegas series, but there was a reason for that. And he just got lit up in that series. But the rest of the playoffs, he was phenomenal. It just, you can only go so far without yeah. having all those guys, like you mentioned, that laundry list of players injured. And not just like, thir- like you know, not just depth guys, like, the top dogs on their boys. Yeah. There's Kachuk. There's Ekblad, arguably your number one defenseman. Montour, who played like a one. He all, all playoffs. He's going to get, make big money coming up. Like he's a beast. Former duck as well, by the way. Um, Like unbelievable. And it's, yeah, th- these, those three I just mentioned there are three of your best players. Yeah. You're sitting, it's tough. You're just, you're sledding uphill the whole way with that. Hayden, have you played like football through any like? Obviously, I don't think you'd play through any severe injuries like this. But have you played through anything like decently <clears throat> tough to play through? And you're like, my god, that was. I'm assuming impossible. I've definitely played with like minor concussions before. Uh, yeah. I've played through a broken finger, which was it wasn't like it wasn't like super badly broken, but it was just like. You could tell that it was kind of fractured. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's tough because I don't know how anyone can play with anything foot related. Like one time it was overtime and in overtime we did it like the NCAA. Right. Okay, so start you start on the 25 like the, or something. Yeah. And you go in and we were at like fourth overtime. Right. And I was on defense. I was having like game of my life defensive wise. I had like 20 tackles or some 
just absurd shit. And the ball was going a uh, opposite way that I was. And I ran across the field. And just as I was, or just as he was like getting tackled, I jumped over someone and then someone rolled on my ankle. Oh, and my, my ankle literally was like that fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that, I, I tried, I tried my hardest to like get up and stand up. I took like one step and I fell. And I'm like, I can't, I can't even walk. So <sighs> there hasn't been like a, a super bad injury I've played through. But then I definitely also played with um it was like a swollen wrist, and I definitely like fucked something up in my wrist. But I have like a picture of it where my hand literally looks like a glove <laughs> because I got hit on it with the helmet. So nothing nothing like what any of these guys went through. Yeah, it's like never guys, in a million years. These guys are fucking warriors, like like you said, anything foot really like Ekblad playing with a broken foot for three series. How do you Crazy. get your like usually when like you break your foot, you don't take your skate off because the skate keeps the swelling down. How do you willingly push. like push your foot into a boot after like in the next like for the next game, let alone like 10 more? It's mm-hmm. just insane. To me. And antifreeze, I think, or not antifreeze, and they think they freeze their foot. So what I've seen before is guys will completely undo their skate and trainers will put it on their foot and they'll like, they'll take painkillers and, you know, try to reduce swelling as best they can, put the skate on and even they'll make punches, they'll stretch the skate out more to like fit the broken foot. And then they just make the adjustments as they need to. It's insane. Crazy. But again, they, it's, I think Kachuk said it best. Like you do it for the playoffs. Like if I listen to the Chicklets pod, um about kind of about this the injuries and jack said in an interview that if it wasn't the cup playoffs like he'd be out for two months yeah yeah but he played the next game he played game four and did what he could but damn it's yeah these guys are fucking warriors ekblad's obviously um gonna miss the start of training camp um with all the shit he has to go through montour is going to be out three about three to four months Kachuk probably around the same. Like, I think Florida is going to get off to a slow start next year. I could only assume, but um, yeah, shout out to Florida just to kick the episode off with that. Um, it's a Vancouver podcast, so we're going to kick off with the main headline that popped off this week on Friday. The Vancouver Canucks did what they did not want to do. They bought out. Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, he had four years remaining on a $66 million deal. Um, it works out like this. In year one, it'll be a $147,000 cap hit with just over $7 million in savings. The second year, it'll be a $2.3 million cap hit with just under $5 million in savings. Years three and four is when it really hits uh vancouver's cap hard is when it's just under five million dollar average uh cap hit with just two and a half million dollars in savings and then years five to eight it'll be just over two million dollar cap hit at cost so they won't be saving any money that would just be his standard cap hit had he stayed whatever they won't be really saving anything but this 
They will be buying out his contract till 2031. Um, was this the worst trade in Vancouver history? Um, trading Beagle, uh, Louis Erickson, and Antoine Nussel. We'll add one year remaining and a first round pick and a fourth round pick for Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson. Hayden, if you want to go first, I have a good, I have some thoughts on this. Um, you go first. I have a good theory though. Is it the worst trade in Canucks history? It seems like it just to say like, Oh yeah, we're paying this guy off until the next fucking, um, Fuck, I always forget it. Decade? Yeah, we're playing this guy off in the next decade, but, you know, that's that's just how it is. But then it's also like, oh, we're looking to trade Connor Garland now as well. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is tough. Like, they weren't even key pieces. You know, Oliver Ekman-Larsen was a liabetic, and Connor Garland was, like, second-line maybe at best it, it like no key components to what the Canucks did. So yeah, I I'd say it's up there. Yeah. It's up there as one of the worst trades all time. Yeah. But uh Scott, your overall thoughts on the buyout. Um, a necessary move, which is really unfortunate. And you ask about, is it the worst trade ever? It's I honestly, this might be a hot take. This is bad for both teams. I don't think Dylan Gunther is going to be that good. You don't think so? That, that was the piece that went. That was the. I would say, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. The main, arguably, the main piece that came back, uh, went back to Arizona, was the Canucks' ninth overall pick in 2021, which would happen to become Dylan Gunther. Um, I saw him play three times in the year in the WHL for the Thunderbirds. Uh, once in the twice in the playoffs, once the Memorial Cup final, um, and maybe it just was those three games. I wasn't that impressed. He's got a good shot. He's a smart player. Maybe he just needs to play with better players. I don't know, but he's playing on a good Thunderbirds team. Who knows? I wasn't that impressed. The Canucks probably would have taken used that pick to pick a different guy. Again, there was at the time, Pavel Minchikov was on the table. Um, what's his name? Guy. Um, Denton Matchuk that went to Columbus. There were two defensemen that they could have very easily taken with that pick and been better than Ekman Larson. So again, if you look at it pure face value, basically Gunther, Beagle, and I forget what the other piece was in exchange for Ekman Larson and Garland. Like they were Ekman Larson and Garland gave him a couple decent years. They weren't great, but it was decent, better than the other way. So I don't necessarily think it was bad for Arizona, though. I'd take Arizona's end of the deal way more, even if Gunther's not going to be that good. Because they got $12 million of cap space after. Because those contracts had one year remaining. And we got, like, in hindsight, you got to look at it, right? Like, we're going to be paying Oliver ekman Larson for another eight years. And we're trying to trade Connor Garland, which we might have to pay to get rid of just for cap space. When if we just... And like they didn't even make an immediate impact because we missed the playoffs the following year. So we would have had the ninth overall pick, $12 million in cap space, and we probably would have just been able to actually try to compete without having to 
buy anyone out or pay to get rid of contracts. So Good say one. it's bad for both teams. I would disagree, especially in Arizona situation when they're just taking on bad contracts for picks. Yeah. So it I made sense for them to make that trade, but like depends the team situation to value if what Canucks sent back was good or not for the team. For Arizona, they hit the fucking lottery and Dylan Gunther's value at that time. He had a good world juniors just teeing it up. Obviously, who knows what kind of player he'll turn out to be. I'm assuming just a solid top six forward power play goal scorer is my kind of projection for him from what I've seen. But I would take that in a fucking heartbeat if it were to get rid of Garland and Ekman Larson. Fair enough. Hey, that's yeah. When you say when you say it like that, absolutely. It's yeah, hard to argue with that. That's well said. Um I still yeah, I don't think it's the worst trade they've ever made, but it's not good. I think I, it's up there though. It's up just, there. Like just from like what has happened because of the trade. Like just like yeah. what Vancouver's had to do, it makes it really bad. Like if Ekman Larson played and was like a 55 point defenseman, we wouldn't be buying him out. And if Connor Garland was a consistent 25 to 30 goal scorer, we yeah. wouldn't be really looking to ship him off. But obviously those two guys aren't that. And now we just bought an OEL where like, it saves us money, but like we're not fucking contending right now. Like we're we're mid of mid right now, so it's like impossible to tell what direction this team's going. It's true, but again, had they had they not made that trade, they could have had a very good prospect in their defense cupboard, which the Canucks don't have a lot of prospects right now. So exactly. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just like don't think they were in a position to trade away that first, and I was like. I'm always like stubborn when it comes to Vancouver's moves because I don't want to accept that they're a bad fucking franchise. But like when they made that trade, I was like, oh, like, I don't yeah. know, like the ninth overall pick's going to turn out to be just as good as Garland is. So we may as well get him now. But yeah. like, I just like don't think that's the case anymore. And like, I think any prospect's going to be better than maybe not any prospect, but I think the ninth overall pick's going to be better than what Connor Garland is. No disrespect to Garland. But yeah, um, I would safely agree with you on that one. You're gonna disagree? I was safely I would agree. agree. Safely oh, agree. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I wasn't sure if you just cut off or something, but like so like I was like stubbornly optimistic, but now I'm just like, no, like that was just such a stupid move. Like Ekman Larson was good like five years ago, but then he had like knee surgeries and his main positive of skating was diminished and now it was just like he was kind of defensive liability so it's like why do we do that i agree but yeah so do we do we think oel will get signed because as much as i'm shitting on ekman larson a big like proponent of his value was that he was making way too much money for the player he is Right. And he's not a defenseman where you can give him 25 to 30 minutes a night. But if he's playing in a limited role, six defensemen getting 15 minutes a night, 12, 
I feel like he could be like a Mark Stahl where it's like he might not be too bad if he's making $2 million a year for a contender. Like, right? Like, I don't like he still has like some, but like he's not an eight and a half million dollar player, top four defenseman anymore. Like, that's just the reality. So, do we think he finds his way onto maybe a contending roster like maybe a Vegas or like a Toronto or Stashman Tampa as a seventh defenseman? Like, do we think we see him in a roster for cheap next year? He'll be back. Yeah, he's going to play next year. Um, what that's going to look like, I don't know. Again, I think you said it best. He's like an Eric Stahl. He's a good veteran presence. Like, put him on a young team. Put him on a team that needs some development. Like, you know, Arizona, Anaheim, Columbus maybe. Um, some of these teams that are kind of going through rebuild, but they can use a veteran guy on the back end of his career that's just kind of looking to get some playing time and, you know, help these young kids develop and get get to that point. I said Arizona because he, he was a big part of, you know, that, that like, not just the franchise, but, like, the city. He was very involved. I think he almost won a, um, it was a Bill King Clancy, maybe, like something to do with community service. Um, and that's that doesn't go unnoticed. And he probably has roots in Arizona. So why not go back, right? Yeah. No, yeah, that's, I could see that. Maybe, like, a Chicago or something or as oh, well. Okay. It could be decent. Hey, do you think he'll? Uh, well, what do you kind of project him making on his next contract? <clears throat> OEL. Oh man, I'm not. I'm not the best still with contracts and money. Obviously, he was massively overpaid, <laughs> and that's a statement. So I have to imagine, seeing as his production was very low. And he is only 31 still, so he still has like a few years left. Yeah, I, I maybe like see like a four year, maybe like two to three. I'd say like purely just for production wise, he hasn't shown anything. He just gives like veteran presence. Yeah, in my opinion, that's fair. Like I'm also kind of looking at like Erica Branson. Columbus threw a four by four at him. So he was making like $16 million, something like that last mm-hmm. offseason. And I think like OEL can maybe chase something like that from a team with cap space. And I was listening to 32 Thoughts with Friedman Merrick, and apparently it might be a John Klingberg type contract where it's like a one-year, $6.5 million deal, and then he gets traded at the deadline for maybe a team who just needs depth defensemen for a playoff run. So I was like, that's interesting. Like he was when he wanted to get traded from Arizona, he was looking at Boston or Vancouver. And maybe Boston stashes him. And hey, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I think, yeah, throw him in the Boston decor. And I don't know where he fits because there's three better guys than him on the left side, anyways. You yeah. know, you look, it was like in Lindholm. They've got a, well, they have Orlov there too as well. He's got to probably go, but. Like there's three guys right there that are already all better than Ekman Larson. So we'll uh we'll see. He's I think he's gonna play. I think Hayden, I think that contract though is like pretty bang on. And between I think between like you said, Jevin, the four by four for Gutty and then the three million dollar figure, I think it'll be around that. Yeah. Three mil for a couple of years. But it just it depends. It could be one by six, it could be three mm-hmm. by four. Just 
depends, depends how depends how he's looking at this year for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Gets a ten by ten. <laughs> Alvin, Alvin throws a curveball. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm re-signing him." <laughs> hey, bro. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, moving on here, big news as um allegedly, uh the Las Vegas Police Department, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, stopped oh. a potential mass shooting at game five. Um, it was the story is insane. Yeah. So a, some guy basically said, if we win, then get ready, whatever. He's going to like go on a rampage. And... If they didn't win by a certain amount. Do you have the story up head or like, no, I, I I read enough about it, but it, the general gist of it was, yeah, if they didn't win by a certain amount, it was going to be um, just a second coming of the Las Vegas shooting, but worse. And police looked into this, found out or saw these Facebook posts because he posted it on Facebook, the fucking idiot. And then they went back to his place, got a warrant, and found out that he had loaded rifles ready to go. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm shooting this story right now. Yeah, uh, Mandalay Bay, Mandalay Bay part part two is what he called it. That's absurd. It's like what the fuck, man. And let's not forget that was right near the beginning. That was like about a week before Vegas played their first game. Yeah, Las Vegas. Right, mm. the amount of the big shooting 60 dead, 100 more injured, I think, was what said on the article. Um, wow, I not, honestly, that that's news to me. I don't know that, yeah, yeah, it was fucking crazy. I, I remember reading about that on Thursday or Friday last week, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, yeah, so like, what, what is what is the United States of America right now? It's in shambles, bro. It's in shambles. It's but shout out to the police force for, for getting on that and stopping that before it obviously started. Like, could you imagine? That would have been terrible. That would have been terrible. It would, yeah. It's just like you just won, and now it's just like slaughterhouse, right? Yeah, it's not even, your, yeah. It, yeah, it's Coliseum. not even fucking worth it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But shout out to the police force um, for stopping that. Um, Let's get into the positives, because uh, Vegas did have an absolute fucking time and a half after winning this cup. Did you guys see the uh, William Carlson speech? Legendary. Uh, <laughs> go around the room. Uh, out of 10, what would you give that speech ranking? I don't know if it was a speech or if it was just <laughs> words. Yeah. <laughs> I, I rate whatever he was trying to say, a 10. Uh, trying to trying to introduce the con Smythe of Jonathan Marshall. So that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Sounded like me at Donnie and Donald's wedding. Just like <laughs> 20 beers in trying to give a speech about him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, uh, that's that's what it's supposed to be like, man. You're supposed yeah, to have dude. that time. Yeah. Wild Bill, man. Wild Bill. Out of 10, Scott, what are you giving the speech? Nine five, it's up. Well, I don't know how else. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I think if his words were clear, it'd be an absolute 10, but yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, that was good stuff. He was he's intoxicated, but he was oh, feeling yeah. himself. And props to him. Like I think he's a pretty known as a pretty quiet guy around the NHL. He doesn't really say a whole lot. And you really see guys' characters when they yeah. drunk what they do. But um no, it was it was great. It was fucking awesome to see it. Good, I was, for, good for them. They yeah. they just they can do whatever the fuck they want. They can say whatever the fuck they want. I guess. Yeah. I just love the unnecessary ricochet shot that Arizona caught. <laughs> just out of the blue, he's like, we played Arizona the first game, and we beat the shit out of them. It's like, <laughs> if you're Arizona, it's like, bro, what? What do we do? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we fucking know you guys beat yeah. us. Okay, it's funny, shut the up. funny part about that, too, is he even acknowledged he didn't even get any points. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I played like shit, <laughs> sure, but it bad. doesn't matter. Dude, that's so funny. I would, if I was like Arizona owner, or GM, or coach, or whatever, I'd have been like, bro, why, man? Like, come on, we just over here chilling, bro. You just throwing ricochet shots at us for no reason. Come on, man. But yeah, it was an unreal speech, and yeah, Vegas. It was very interesting. Like their, like their party, like and parade and stuff went on late into the evening and i think that was just the vibe of vegas it's like you it, can't it is las vegas though let's not forget usually yeah. like, mm. parades start at like 12 noon and yeah. they go to like six or seven but vegas started, started at midnight baby probably <laughs> <laughs> i think i think they were <laughs> saying the sun was 7 p.m yeah local start so they probably paraded down the strip and then they got into the clubs at like 10 or 11. yeah and then went nuts from there yeah that would have been unbelievable. you guys been to las vegas yeah, I've been to Las Vegas once. Right. I haven't, man. I need to but get down there. I, I was only in Las Vegas for my brother's wedding. And I was about eight. So you haven't been to Vegas. <laughs> so I haven't really been to Vegas. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't like do anything. But kind of a scary story. Kind of like... Not it's not funny, but it's not it's not like just a nice story. So if I was around eight, that means my uh, that means like our sister, Jeb and I's sister, Donnie, she was around 19, underage, but she was getting catcalled and whistled at like left, right, and center. It was just happening, right? And as a as a younger brother, it was like it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm popular because my sister is getting catcalled. But then, oh. come to find out, you know, years down the road, some pimp came up to my dad and asked how much for, <laughs> how much for Donnie, and my dad is like, you better get the fuck out of my yeah. face right now before I call the police. And it's like, Jesus, that's just insane. <laughs> and then you're it's over there hot. like, yo paparazzi bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whoa you're so, you're so oblivious to all yeah. of it how much for me too bud like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> gonna ask my price as well man <laughs> yeah no it was uh everyone's got a number bro Everyone... <laughs> they live golf oh my everyone's god got a number no but it was it was definitely like even being there as an eight year old, it's still fucking fun. Like we stayed up um close to the building, uh like the the one with the needle on it, I guess. Oh, uh yes. Okay, that's kind of uh, something tower. I forget what it's fucking yeah. called. 
but there's three rides on top of it. You got like kind of like the elevator sort of thing where you go straight up. And then there's one that like has a bunch of swinging chairs going around the top and like hanging off of the fucking roof. And then there's another one that just goes like this and then just drops you straight down. Fucking scary, but super electrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be down for that. I need to get oh. to Vegas and just like, yeah, you guys roller coasters Vegas. on the side of the street too. Just gamble yeah. all my money well, away yeah, and yeah. come home with the, nothing. Uh, New York, New York Hotel is the one that has the roller coasters kind of off the side of the building. Yeah, I've been twice. I went when I was twelve, so again, didn't go to Vegas, and I also went when I was eighteen, didn't go to Vegas. Um, <laughs> so I played the second time was to play golf. And then um, hang out with my dad for like a day, and then we drove back from Vegas all the way up to the uh, to Canada. And he was on a big road trip with um, my stepmom, and she had to fly back for work. But I came like, yo, that's a fucking fat ass day trip. You want to go to Vegas? What? <laughs> we'll be back by dinner. <laughs> yeah, almost <laughs> two days to get back. Um, we were in Canada like on the second day. We left like mm-hmm. early morning. On the first day, got to Twin Falls, Idaho, and then drove back the rest of the way. Um, gotcha. Yeah, because it's like, it's like what, like sixteen hour drive straight? Yeah, more like yeah. eighteen or twenty. But yeah, again, I know that just because my uncle and my aunt drive from like here to Palm Springs. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and they're like, well, it's, it's a two day affair. It is, yeah. And again, it's twenty hours, but again, through all through Utah, highways are one forty, so it's like Ooh. eighty miles an hour, so one hundred forty kilometers. Yeah, goddamn. So you can haul. You can definitely get hauling through that stretch, through most of um, most of Arizona. It's like a little stretch of Arizona, um, all of Utah, some of Idaho is all 140, which is pretty cool. So, bet you it's not as an interesting drive as here to Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wasn't that bad because again, you go through some of Oregon and Washington, you get to the mountains. Some some beautiful. Oh yeah, I'm oh, sure he's it's... he's being sarcastic. Oh, right now. yeah, I'm... <laughs> bro. That 14 hours through the prairie is nothing beats oh. it, bro. Nothing beats it. Uh, Fucking uh, hell. Throw on some left side heavy to get you through the drive. That'll uh. <laughs> Yo, I got sick and tired of everyone's voice. I was like, I'm. <laughs> I'm like I've listened to eight episodes of part of my take straight, and I fucking hate this guy now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get people to just like, yo, can you just call me to like help me keep me sane? Like I just you're gonna mix in a caller daddy podcast here and there. Oh yeah, seriously, spice it up a bit. <laughs> One of George's audiobooks on where I'm just, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> keep things interested. No, but Scott, I uh left when I left Manitoba. I left at eight in the morning, went to a golf course in Saskatchewan, which was about three hours away, played golf from 11 to three. And then I drove straight from Saskatchewan, like about maybe an hour northeast of Humboldt. Okay. Yeah. And I bombed straight to Cranbrook. 13 wow. hour, 13 hour drive. I got That's to right. Cranbrook at 4.15 in the morning. I wanted to die, dude. I drove through Alberta in pitch black. Pitch black, yeah, no kidding. And then through the Rocky Mountains too, like yeah, it was it was, it was stupid. Like, I was I was dumb, but like it was the best sleep of my life once I got to Cranbrook. And then when I drove from drove home from Cranbrook, it was the most beautiful drive ever because there's actually scenery around me and it some yeah. 
move like turns to keep me in the zone instead of <laughs> what time of year was this? Time of year. Oh, this is just like last month. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So early spring, spring, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Good weather, it's awesome. Yeah, but like man, driving that eight hours straight in the farmland. It, it was tough to get through. Um, all right, continuing on with Vegas. Um, Mark Stone had a couple back surgeries this year. Um, Friedman came out and kind of said that like it wouldn't be a surprise if he's kind of like in and out of the lineup for the rest of his career. But I think it, it was kind of taken out of context. But it seems like his back surgery, his second back surgery, will like kind of bring him back to 100% health and it should fix the problem. But if it ever does arise again, then like something like this could really take out the consistent appearances in lineups in the future. And it's just such a shitty thing that Mark Stone had to go through. But hopefully everything is works out for him in the future. Because like the way he played in the finals, like he could have been, he could have won the Conn Smith, and I wouldn't have been surprised. He could have. He was in the running for sure. He's just he's such a horse, right? He's such a player, and although he's not the most fleet foot, he's not the fast skater, not the flashiest player by any means. He just makes the right plays all the time, yeah. all over the ice, and he's yeah, he's a he's a menace, and definitely, I mean, he's a captain. So he's a big part of why the Knights won the cup, and. Yeah, like you said, I, I thought when you first sent me that um, that news take, I was like, "This is a joke. It's got to be a joke." But again, looking into it now a little bit, it's it's unfortunate. You're right. And yeah. what does it mean? I don't know. Like his career, although he he may still play, you know, seventy five plus games in the next couple of years, but his career might be very well shortened, or yeah. it could be he plays 30, 40 games a year and is injured for stretches at a time. Like it's yeah, it's really unfortunate. Like you said, so. Yeah, I mean, like, Hayden, are you not picking Stone? Like, take health out of the equation. Are you not picking Stone to, like, build, maybe not be the centerpiece of building your team around, but, like, I'm taking Stone on my team every single day of the week. Absolutely. Guy is a workhorse. It's and like, he's he's so inspirational, and that's what you need a captain to be, right? Like, he he looks so happy when they won the cup and he got like his hat trick, it was yeah. so well-deserved. Yeah. So well-deserved. Absolute baller. Mark Stone is. Yeah. It's just like he's batting down pucks makes his defensive plays are so seamless. Like it's not even like he's trying back there and it's just like, he's scoring massive goals at massive times. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, He's the last person I want to play against. And it was so frustrating when I needed Florida to get some momentum because I was cheering for them. And then Mark Stone would just disrupt it and then go down and score a goal. And I'm like, fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck off, man. Yeah. <laughs> funny. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully I think Stone should be okay going forward. But hopefully, uh, hopefully that's still the case. But um, going into some hires here. I'm going to just rattle off some. Uh, Jason Spezza hired as Pittsburgh's assistant general manager. Uh, kind of funny how they hired the assistant GM before the actual GM. So we'll kind of see what direction they go with that. Uh, Travis Green hired as assistant coach for New Jersey. Good to see him back in the league. Um, Michael Pekka hired as assistant coach uh, 
for the Rangers to Peter Laviolette. Uh, Leclerc and Patrick Sharp hired by the Flyers as special advisors to the general manager. And same goes for Jerome McGinley in Calgary. He is hired as special advisor to the general manager. So, boys, I kind of rattled off a few there, but pick and choose out of the litter. Uh, what are your thoughts on these hires? I'll take Aginla, um, as he was the U15 coach here at the Rink Academy uh, in Kelowna, and I think this is a big upgrade in job. This is kind of a joke, but <laughs> um, he's yeah, it's it's good for him. He's such a fit in Calgary, and just yeah, now that his kids are off playing in Seattle and in Kelowna, um, he's yeah, they're they're fine. They're and I sorry, Edmonton, sorry, Joe's in Edmonton Oil Kings. And then Tidge is now with the Rockets, um, but he was in Seattle. It's like, though, yeah, he's a good fit in Calgary. I think that's what the Flames need. A little yeah. bit of injection of that. Okay, here's a guy that's like done a lot for this organization. And with Craig Conroy there as well, who's a big part of, I think he was a center for a long time, right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, this is just a changing of the guard. Kind of like when Joe Sakic took over the Avalanche. I have that same kind of vision you know, ahead of what's going to happen. Maybe the Flames won't win a cup in the next, within six years, but like he's there. He needs to be there. That's just the right fit for Ginla to be involved in the organization somehow. So good for him. Ed? Yeah, I was going to take the Ginla one as well. That's your boy. Him, oh, my dad's boy, McGinla. Yeah. McGinless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I think that is absolutely a great hire. It just reminds me of the Sedins with the Canucks, you know, like they have a bit that he's going to have a huge voice in that whole higher up place. So just having him in there right now is going to be absolutely huge. Um, and I think that was, that was like the best, the best news I saw in the, the past week of like hires. Yeah. yeah. I just think like Ginla is Calgary Flames. Like when you think about the Flames, the first player you think of is oh like, yeah, Israel. Yeah, and I can only imagine that this is like the introduction to a possible promotion to assistant GM or head of scouting or head of player development or something along those lines. Um, now that Craig Conroy is in there, I think it's going to take a few years. To get again, maybe a possible general manager role, but I think he will really thrive in the scouting development kind of areas where he can really like he's a fucking goddamn Hall of Famer, one of the best power forwards this game's ever seen. So I think like him having an eye on what prospects will fit with the team and what direction to go in, I think his words and like his point of view will really help this team flourish. As much as I hate to say it, because I fucking hate Calgary, but um, no, I yeah, I think this is an A plus hire by Calgary. Absolutely, and to your point, Jevin, even like if he's just gonna be, you know, if he hops on the ice with the guys and says a yeah. word from the forwards, like one or two pieces of advice could make a huge difference in a young player's life. Like you look at some, like you know, um, Perot who's coming there, um, or sorry, Jacob Pelche, sorry, not Perot, that's the Ducks guy, uh, Jacob Pelche. Um, in Calgary, who's a young guy, he's kind of he could lean on again for that kind of experience. And yeah, um, what, like you said, whatever prospects come through that system, they're going to need that advice. And you know, someone like Huberto might really benefit a lot. 
from having that voice in the room and getting getting Hubert back on the hundred point track and being the superstar playmaker that he is. So it's yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you guys. Great hire. Um, the other one I want to mention actually is um, Peter Laviolette in New York. Yeah, we talked about that last week, but I want to hear your piece on it. I want to hear your piece it on quickly. it. Again, him with Pekka, like, you know, former player. Laviolette's been a, success, a successful coach all over the NHL. Has a cup with the Hurricanes, and I think maybe one more as well. And he's been to a few cup finals with the Flyers, I believe, and then with Nashville in 2017. He's been there, and I think the Rangers, maybe this, I mean, you could say this about every team, but maybe that's the piece that gets them over the edge. Yeah. The Rangers are deep. And they're good. And when they get when Shesterkin's rolling, they're a tough out for anybody. Yeah. And I, we'll see who they keep up their forwards of Kaner and uh, Tarasenko that they picked up at the deadline. But their their defense is young and they're talented and they're nasty to play against. And then their forward group is pretty solid. Add you know us like a younger solid forward, maybe Kako or Lafreniere take a step forward. Who knows? But that's a scary team with a good coach. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, like we had this conversation last week about like whether they should have gone new or if recycled coach or an experienced coach was the right move. And Emil trade like Emil last week, our guest, um, he said it perfectly that like like New York has the pieces, but like they haven't really had a coach that's like gone the distance before, or like at least in a long time. And like Vigneault did it, we know that. But like since him, like David Quinn and Gallant haven't really been the guys. They they've had good regular seasons, but the playoff success is kind of not there. Yeah. It's not existing with those guys. We went to one yeah. cup, but again, that was kind of an anomaly year, if you will. Yeah. Um, so so I think like Laviolette coming in and having that experience he's been known to just stick around for three years and whatever so like he's been able to have success in short stints he had a good winning percentage with washington older team so it's kind of harder to get to that next level after they've already won the cup with an old team they're kind of just like not necessarily not motivated it's just like their pep and their step isn't as high so i think with a young team i think with a young team in New York, they have the pieces to get it done, and I think Laviolette really helps with that. And I think New York could take a big step in the playoffs next year with that. Well said. And uh, I want to touch on uh, Spezza because, like, it is weird uh, that like they hire an assistant GM before the general manager, but it just seems like Spezza he left Toronto when Dubis left. So it seems that relationship's super close and Spets has helped or Spets like Dubas meant a lot to Spetsa. And I think he wants to stick around this game in that kind of role for a while. So what do you think about Spetsa and like his role with Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, it makes sense with Dubas being the hot president of hockey ops there, right? That's it. It fits. I think they're bros and like they're going to have a stamp on that Penguins team, you know, again, depending on how long they are there post Crosby with Crosby here. Maybe they take another crack at, at the cup. I don't know. Again, when Crosby's on your team, I think you have to give it at least a shot. Um, but 
yeah, we'll we'll see. I I like it. I mean, it makes it it's very like logical. It makes sense. Yeah. Where you go, your buddy goes. Like you know, you know, it's like the hey, I know a guy. Like I'll hire this. You know, bring my yeah. buddy. Right. It's one of it's one of those. And like, Dubis is a good hockey mind, and Spezza was in this game for a very long time. Drafted in 01. Like, yeah, there's no brainer here, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, hey, Travis Green in New Jersey. Um, rough end to his tenure in Vancouver. But I don't necessarily know if I can pin the entire blame on Green because Jim Benning put together Jim Benning and Aquilini put together an absolute travesty here for yeah. him to work with. It's like you can only make such a good meal with shitty ingredients given to you. Mm-hmm. So Travis Green um, has a whole new blueprint in New Jersey: young, beautiful, constructed roster. Everyone on bargain deals. Uh, I was going to get to it later, but we may as well toss it in now. Jesper Bratt signed for eight years, $63 million, 7.875 average. So you got him on a bargain. He was on a bargain. Meyer looking at an extension. Like we got guys and prospect pool just beautifully set up. He doesn't have to take the full responsibility as a head coach. He's coming in as assistant. I honestly think that this could be a good move to revive his coaching career. And I think he can provide a lot of good insight for New Jersey and maybe that Andrew Brunette replacement now that he's in Nashville. But hey, what are your thoughts on Travis Green coming in as New Jersey's assistant coach? Yeah, like you said, definitely a rough ending to his tenure here in Vancouver. But I feel like New Jersey knows what they're doing. And they said, well, you know what, Vancouver, kind of a shit managed team yeah so we got a bunch of young guys here that we want you to coach up we made it further than we were expecting to this year and we just need someone like you to come in and coach him up and i think i think this is great it leaves a salty taste in my mouth where it's like oh wow he's gonna go to a successful team and or like at least he's showing they're showing success and we're just stuck in the dump still. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Yeah. It's just like another man's trash is another man's treasure or whatever. Oh, absolutely. I may have butchered that a hundred percent, but nope. One man's trash is another man's treasure. That's what it is. But uh, Scott, do, uh, your thoughts on the hire? You like it? Yeah, I like it. New Jersey and New York, which I just talked about the Rangers a bit. Those two teams are going to be fighting a war in that Metro division for the next <laughs> five years. Like two really good teams. That decor, especially the, you know, let's, let's say Luke Hughes is still a prospect. Luke Hughes, Simon Nemich, I would argue are two of the best defense prospects in the NHL. They're not the best. I'll get to that later. Um, Tries down. Well, yeah, well, he's, not, he's technically not a prospect anymore. Zellweger, Minchikov. Anyways, whatever. Not a big deal. Um, it's... Zellweger. Zellweger's a beast. Um, yeah. But no, seriously, though, like Luke Hughes is probably the number one defense prospect now, and Nemec is a really close, probably second or third. And those two guys, I think Nemec... And that's why Severson's gone. I think... I'm not sure if you're going to bring that up later, but Severson's now a Columbus Blue Jacket. And... Yeah. I think because of Nemich's progression and his growth, he's I think just turned twenty, maybe still nineteen. He's not, he's going to turn twenty this year. Kid's a 
he's gonna be a machine. Like yeah. I remember when he got drafted, his comp was like his his ceiling was Scott Niedermeyer, like type of player, and decent know, player. Just yeah, not a big deal. Um, yeah, if he's like you know two thirds of that, like look out because you've got Hamilton there, you've got um, Luke Hughes, you've got um, Siegenthaler, really solid. Like yeah. she's coming through the system. Even and John Marino is a depth defenseman um, too. Like he's Marino's a good, solid guy. yeah. Like dude, what a he's, team! And you still have many more years of Dougie Hamilton. If he plays the way he did last year, and like this team's what, ceiling is what a team. And Jack fucked. Hughes is so good. Like, and he said they just have to sign Brat. Probably a fair price. Might be regretting it in years six and seven and eight. But like, he's still young though. He's like what twenty six. He's 26. I think he's 25 or 26. He's young. He's still young. Yes. Yeah. But again, later in his, in his year. And they're going to have to sign, you know, Lofts and Luke Hughes, Nemich. And then they've got Meyer, who they're probably going to sign, which would be amazing for them. They need a guy like that. And then get some guys around Jack and they'll be, they'll be rolling. Jack Hughes is a superstar. He's a heck of a player. Yeah. That team's going to be really exciting to watch in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so uh, this is going to kind of segue into the reason why we brought you on, Scotty. So we're going to talk some trade talks. There are some rumors out there. Um, one take I kind of heard, or I guess like we can talk like kind of like free agency trade bait kind of board or whatever, but um, Chicklets Boys talked about uh, more so Matt Murley. Potential Barbashev to New Jersey instead of Meyer. Um, same kind of player, but Barbashev could will make half of what Meyer will want. Um, Barbashev wants around five and a half to six, where Meyer might be pushing for eight to nine. So, like, right. Barbashev reverse hit Gudis and put him out for a period. So, like, that kind of grit, heavy hitting style player who can produce with high skill players. Barbashev, that wouldn't be. That would be a pretty piece for New Jersey to have. And Barbashev is a two-time Stanley Cup champion and a guy that would play alongside Jack Hughes. Yeah. Again, speaking of... Um, so he played the Jack... That first line with, with Marshall Eichel and Barbashev, that's... Fucking wagon. Unbelievable. unbelievable. So you think about this. You, you get Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, Ivan, Ivan Barbashev. That's your first line? Dude. Uh, oh, oh, dude. Forget about it. Like, yeah, New Jersey's gonna be so fucking so good, good, dude. So oh, good. If they shit. get even if they just resign Meyer, like Meyer underrated amount of grit. Like yeah. he's no, he, he can hit, dude. That guy can throw his body around. And he's big. He's like big. He's so good at protecting the puck. Like he's a really good piece with Jack. You know, he's kind of kind of create that space for Jack Hughes and give Jack Hughes an inch, he'll take a mile. Yeah. He's just that kind of player. So um, I like that Barbashev or Meyer, to be honest. I didn't easy with either. If they can get Barbashev for cheaper, great. He has two cups. Meyer doesn't. That might be the difference between them. Yeah. Yeah. And Meyer even looked like looked even bigger with the fishbowl he was rocking in the final few games of the playoffs. Yeah. I was That's like, nice. dude, this guy looks like a beast. But uh, trade talk. So, uh, per on like over Puck Empire's Instagram, they post a lot of uh, Take, so I kind of got a lot of these from there, but got a potential to at like Detroit's kind of calling in on him to at also said he's kind of open to going to Florida. So that could be interesting. Uh, 
Carlson. Eric Carlson got a few years left at a very high cap hit over $11 million. They're really going to be pushing to trade him this summer. Uh, Dubois, uh, there's a ton of teams in on him. Montreal, LA, Rangers. Um, and he's going to be looking for around $9 million. Edmonton's in on a few guys and Olafson, Konechny, Scott Lawton. Tristan. Jonathan Tays. As a fourth liner. Yeah, as a fourth liner. I'm like, that yeah. would be fucking sick. Uh, but like Hayden, is there any name that kind of jumps <clears throat> off the page for you and kind of like a trade that you would like to see or a player on a new destination? Anything that jumps out to you? Definitely the first name you said, Alex Debrinkat. Uh him going to Florida would be absolutely insane. Yeah. I very much love that move. And I think Everyone in Florida would love that move. Not only is he like a power forward, I guess you could say. Like he's kind of he's he's a power forward, I'd say, but he's also like a playmaker. Yeah. You know, he's he's not as gritty as Kachuk is, but he'll get in there, you know. He'll be I feel like he has the ceiling to be like a 90 to 100 point player on the right team. Absolutely. Well, he's he, he's almost not a lock to score forty goals, but he's a very dynamic offensive threat that would complement what the Panthers have really well. Mm-hmm. And maybe again, Nick, I think in the sec in the playoffs, at least the Panthers' second line will was Chuck, Sam Bennett, and Nick Cousins. Drop Cousins down to the third line and put uh, Debrinket in there. Put Debrinket right there. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a line! What a is line that, that is. Because I just think if you throw like Debrinket. Like he, can, I don't necessarily know if he can like drive a line, but you saw he put up two forty goal seasons when he was playing with Kane, and obviously not everyone is Patrick Kane of three years ago. Like, but if you put him with a playmaker, there's a good chance he's clipping at least thirty five goals. And Absolutely, I think that helps any team at least have a chance for a run uh, for a Stanley Cup, and I think anyone. Would love uh, to bring at services for sure. It's just his qualifying offer is upwards of nine million dollars, so it's going to just be like what team's going to be willing to pay that. And honestly, Detroit, shout out Ian McNaughton. Um, <laughs> I think that would be a really interesting team, but like Detroit's like in this very weird stage right now, where it's like I'm not quite sure where they are. They're like similar to Buffalo, very fringe playoff contender. Just a matter of can they take that next step. So we'll see. Um, Does Eric Carlson get traded? Not yet. Not the summer? No. It's such a hard contract to trade. Next deadline or it would be the next summer. Like you said, it's because it's such big money. I think it's, is it what? It's either nine and a half or is it 11? Might be 11. Well, his, his AAV over the, X amount of years that he signed for was 11 and a half or 11. Yeah, 11. Yeah. So it just, like you said, huge money. So it could be, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he had too good of a year. Maybe it does happen this summer. And does it get packaged with the fourth overall pick for something? Who knows? We can talk about that a bit later. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be an interesting summer in San Jose for a lot of reasons, but yeah, that's one of them. Hey, do you think he gets traded? 
Not this summer. I no. I could maybe see like deadline to a team that desperately needs an offensive defenseman. But yeah, like you said, this contract is such a hard contract to move. Yeah, I just think and there's too many years remaining. There is, especially with the age that he's at right now. Yeah. Like, what does he have? Three years left, like, including next year. So, like, yeah. Next year and then two more after that. So, it's like, it's a lot. If it was like, like, $8 million, it's much easier to move. But, like, 11, that's especially when the cap hasn't gone up as much as it should have. Mm hmm. Exactly. Tough. But, um, Last one before we get to the draft, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois. So this guy has been nothing but demanding trades for the past three years. Um, he's informed. Oh, really? Yeah, he's informed. Wasn't happy with this time with Columbus. Man in trade. He was very happy to go to Winnipeg. Loves the hockey market, blah, 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 blah. A year after getting traded to Winnipeg, he tells him, hey, I'm not going to be resigning. I want to get traded before my contract's up, whatever. Uh, he has one more year of RFA status before hitting the unrestricted. What do we think about Dubois? Like, does he maybe get traded at the draft? Like, he really wants to go to Montreal, but like, are you really willing to trade for a guy who's going to hit UFA status if he might just dip out if he's not happy with it? Like, what do you do with this Dubois situation, Hey, If you're well, other team, like if you're the teams. Oh, man. Yeah, it is hard because he's shown that he just doesn't want to play if it's in the wrong situation. So how do you know if you're in the right fucking situation? Yeah, you can't really predict it. Yeah, exactly. And especially a team like Montreal, where they're not in like the best shape at all for any part of the East. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, you you add that in with every team in the Eastern Conference. And it's like, where do you put Montreal if if we're assuming that Montreal is the team to be? And yeah, like for, for a player like Dubois, who's who's shown so much interest and so much hate of being not on a team or not wanting to be on a team, that's risky. That's super risky. Yeah. Scott, what do you think happens with PLD? Oh, he's going to be a huge hit at the draft. I think something big is going to happen in the draft. Montreal's got their five, um, their fifth overall pick. Whether Dubois is on the other side of that trade, I don't know. We'll have to see. The Jets, I think, pick at 16 or 17, I believe. It's something in like the middle-ish tier. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, yeah, he's going to be a big asset. I also... I'll throw those out there. I wouldn't be surprised if one of one of these three, him, Shifley, or Hellebuck are gone, or multiple of them. To mm -hmm. be honest. I think Hellebuck and Pierre Luc Dubois are gone. And I think Shifley might be back for a year and then traded. Because I think it came out Hellebuck's looking for over nine million dollars a year on a long term deal. And I think but, he wants to win too. I think that's part of it. He wants yeah. to win. He's a hell of a goalie. That LA? he honestly wouldn't be that surprised. I yeah. could see Los Angeles, especially Edmonton. with how Bolton and Carousel has been. The Oilers are an option. I think they I think the Oilers think Stuart Skinner is their goalie, but that's a whole yeah. other conversation. Um yeah. you could even argue, wow, there's a bunch of teams. You could yeah. look at someone like Minnesota. Yeah. Well, could Minnesota look. could be interesting for sure. 
Uh, Gustafson, he was he's up. Like, he was really good. So like really good, but he's not Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. So. Not a lot of goalies are, but like I think we were talking about this. Like Winnipeg's gonna be one of the most interesting teams this offseason. Absolutely. Uh, the Pierre Luc Dubois narrative is gonna be really interesting. But just the goalie market in general, it's there could be a fucking carousel. There could be like six different good goalies on different teams next year. Yeah. John Gibson, Carter Hart, Connor Hellebuck, Tristan Jari, yeah. fucking Thatcher Demko. His name's been in there. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. No, no goalie's safe. It seems right now. I and would say everyone except for Aiden Hill is safe, but he, <laughs> even he might be gone too. I he's asking for a lot. Five by five, probably. He's looking for around four million dollars. I don't know if Vegas can afford that, but why wouldn't uh, you? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But uh, Scott. It's that time, baby. You're you told me I asked you to come on a, a few weeks ago and you pigeon tossed me and it was like, nah, Jevin, I don't want to come on right now. Ask me around the draft. I want to come on the draft and I want to give my intake on the draft. And this draft, my my man, it is one of the highest potential drafts. The top five could go first overall in any other draft, but this year. It's just so highly touted with so much fucking talent, but there is a ton of storylines circulating. Obviously, you got the draft lottery where Columbus absolutely got defeated before their card was even flipped. And then you got Bedard most likely landing in Chicago, one all-time American to one of the next generational talents in Connor Bedard. It's so interesting but I want to hear just your overall outlook. Like, just when you look at this draft class, what is the consensus that you give it, the scouting report that you give this draft class? So the draft class itself is very exciting, but let me just say buckle up. This draft is going to be wild with a lot, a lot of twists and turns, and I think we're going to see a lot of unexpected things. I do have a mock top 10 um, and I think you might be surprised by some of the picks as to why they are. And I really, especially like you mentioned, purely Dubois and some of the guys on the Jets, I think that's going to cause havoc and the rumors swirling about Montreal trading their pick. Like there's a bunch of shit going on and I'm here for it. So <laughs> should be can fun. You, can you change your mock top 10 to top 11 so I can see... Oh yes, Vancouver I can for. throw in. I can throw the Canucks pick in there. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> you, yeah. you can't blue balls have, me like that, man. I have so I, I've got my list here. I've got eleven honorable mention. I've got my top eleven. We'll call it now, and then I've got eight honorable mentions. I want to so. before you get to that. I want to ask uh, me and Hayden prep some questions for you, just to test your knowledge on Bring some prospects and everything like that. So Hayden, I'll uh, I'll kick the can first. Um, I think the biggest name circulated in this draft is obviously Connor Bedard, but everyone's kind of pushed him aside because he's been consensus number one ever since birth. So, <laughs> Mitchkov, arguably, uh, arguably the second most talented player in this draft. I think word around there is like this kid is the real deal, but he's got this whole situation over in Russia that's tanking his draft stock and I'm getting a little taste of Vasily Pod Colson vibes from his draft here. Top three talent but slides down to what 10 to Vancouver? What like, 10 to Vancouver. 
what's his what's this whole vibe surrounding Mitchkov? So here's what I've heard, and here's what I kind of have in mind. I'm not gonna say my my mock draft yet. I'm gonna wait for that. Yeah. Um, but I know Mitchkov has refused to talk to teams. There's certain teams that he has not he's refused to talk to. And I think it has a lot to do with some of the teams that are in the top 10, both why they he would want doesn't want to go there and teams that he would want to go to. Um, Mitch Cobb is all world. 2021, he lit up U18s, lit up the U18s in Texas and in like a semi-bubble when that was. And um, he's not big. He's, I think, listed at 148 pounds. That, that obviously can change. He's 5'10", so he definitely has a lot of room to grow. But is this kid ever talented and smart? He think think Nikita Kucherov. I love oh. player comps. Think Kucherov. Think like that very kind of very smart, um, dynamic, like unpredictable offensive juggernaut, if you will. Plays that right side on the half wall on the power play, like creates havoc in the offensive zone. Defender have no idea what he's gonna do. Just slick, just pure slick. And um, does he needs to bulk up for sure? But the kid's dynamic. Damn, Mitchkov to Vancouver confirmed. Vasily's gonna pull some <laughs> strings. Hey, did you have a did you have a question for Scotty regarding? Yeah, the I do, I do, I do. You almost kind of took took mine, but you 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 basically reworded it. So I move on to question two for you, Scott. You have your you have obviously your top ten. You have your top five. But now outside yes. of your top five, who do you believe will could jump in and be the fifth best player in this mm. draft? So like from like six to ten, who do you think could surpass and be one of the top five? Okay, interesting. Um Without giving away too much of my mock, my mock top ten, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna say a sleeper guy that I've seen a lot of people not put as high as they should is David Reinbacher, and that's purely he's a defenseman, the Austrian defenseman, and that's less about. Well, there's a few factors involved with that, but I think because he is arguably the best defenseman available in the draft, um, as to why he might jump, and I look at a team like San Jose like Montreal, these two these guys at four and five who probably need a defenseman. San Jose's kind of got an empty shelf of prospects. Eklund's there, but he's a forward. So you look at Reinbacher as a good fit there. Montreal's got Caden Gooley in their system, and they've got Caulfield who's still young. Suzuki who's still young. Why not go with a right-shot defenseman like Reinbacher, right? I think he's the guy, if anyone's going to jump, him or Zach Benson. Zach Benson looks electrifying. His he does some of his highlight Elect- tape is like next level legit. Electrifying. And you think about Mark's like a more skilled Mark Stone. That's kind yep. of your comp right there. And he, Mark Stone just won a cup. So I mean, we were just pumping his tires about 20 minutes ago. So why not yeah. get a guy like that on his team on your team? Like he those are the two I would say that could jump the rest. It's weird because in situation there is like they're kind of for me at least there kind of is an established top five ish players, and they are all forwards. But again, will all those five go in the top five? I don't think so. Yeah, and you'll hear mm-hmm. we'll see a lot in a second. So, um, without like, uh, 
once again, it's going to sound like a broken record here without giving away your mock. Um, what's going around is like Mitch Cobb with his whole drama surrounding his draft day thing and like not talking to teams, whatever. And it's tanking his stock. He's consensus second best talent. Now it's like he might slip out of the top five. It's like people can see him going around eight to 10, which is like crazy. A player that's kind of slid up the ranks is Will Smith. And he had a year better than Jack Hughes had at the U.S. National Development Program. And everyone loved the hype about pretty boy Jack Hughes, who is obviously a superstar fringe top five center in the league right now. What is it about Will Smith that makes him the real deal that's making him climb into the top five? Just dynamic. Top six playmaker. He's like, think, ooh, he's a tough guy to comp. Like maybe Nick Backstrom, maybe that kind of vibe. He's, dude, he's money. So good puck handling. Yeah, just generally talented top six forward. He's not, he's flashy. He's got some dynamic skill. I just don't think he's, yeah, very generic, crisp um, top six playmaker in Will Smith. And I think... He's going to be fun to watch whatever team he plays for. Um, And I think he'll fit whatever team really needs a true like center, whether that be a a one C or a two C like again, his, his floor is probably like a third line center, but it's his ceilings like a very elite second line center or like a really good first line center with a good winger on his, on his side. All right. Hey, well, you rip another one at him. (laughs) <laughs> who is your back half steal of the draft Ooh, I actually do have a good answer for this um, mm, good, so question. Hey, good question good question <laughs> so there's two guys that come to mind actually maybe three let's call it three um, there's three guys that come to mind that I have really been drawn to um, one of them played for the Vancouver Giants Samuel Honzek who's projected to go kind of late first round I think he might jump a lot because he's a big dominant power forward that can put the puck in the net. So he's going to be a guy I would look out for. Um, the other two more, Gavin Brinley uh, played for the U.S. World Junior Team. I think he used the U.S. National Program. He's going to be at, I think he was at Michigan this year, actually. He's a Michigan kid. Um, there's a few of those in this draft. He is like, think like a mix of Barzal and Arvidsson oh. is kind of your player comp for him. Exciting, dynamic, quick, like plays with a bit of bite. He definitely is small, but can the kid ever move? He flies up and down the ice and he was playing in college with bigger boys, like more closer to men than in like the CHL or U18 program. So he's a guy that I would look out for. And then the other one who might end up going to Canucks. And there's been rumors of this guy going as high as 10, but one draft ranking show had him at like 31 is Tom Willinder. Okay. Swedish, Swedish right shot guy. Um, good two way kind of presence on the ice. He's someone I, I would look out for as well. I heard um, Vancouver likes him a lot. I think the Canucks do. I think they might, well, we'll see. They actually might go with him. That's a very Canucks pick, to be honest. But also, Swedish I players. think Swedish players, but it also fits their needs. The yeah. right shot defenseman, right? So it very well could be him. There's a couple of Swedish guys it could be. So 
I'll talk about the other guy later, but um, yeah, those I would say so. Go Hanzek as a guy to move up the draft, possibly Gavin Brindley. If a team has a pretty big team, they need some like flashy skill, he's a guy that would go there, bring some speed to that lineup. And then um, Tom Linder is a solid two way defenseman that might go as high as top 15. Love it, love it. Well, I have questions, but it might expose your mock. So, Hayd, if you don't mind, I want to hear Scott's mock 11 now. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I can throw in a few more questions to build off of that. So either yeah. start start at one because everyone knows the consensus one and then tease me to hear what you got Vancouver at 11 for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the whole world knows this barring a trade Connor Bedard's going to the Chicago Blackhawks there's I don't think there's anything that you can do to give up that pick um, pretty easy cut and dry everyone knows what, what Bedard can do it's self-explanatory he's going to change that franchise around um, number two is going to be Adam Fantilli to the Anaheim Ducks the boys my boys here I'm honestly when I found out because the Ducks were they had the best odds at the number one pick when I saw we only fell one spot I wasn't all that disappointed because from my, this is maybe a little bit biased, but Fantilli's floor is a second line center. His ceiling is Mark Messier. Jeez. I think, I think he could be that good. The moose. He's big. He can move. He can shoot. He can score plays with a bit of bite. Fantilli's a gamer. He played in the world championships with men. He played in college with bigger boys. Like he's ready. He won the Hobie Baker. What a yeah. year for this guy. He's, He's a good consolation prize. Very good consolation prize. And he so I've seen team. you've been watching a lot of Adam Fantilli highlight tapes then, too. <laughs> one could, with, one the, with the <laughs> lotion right beside him. Yeah. One could say that. And again, Badar sh- should be the Kansas number one. Um, there's I don't I doubt there's any reason Chicago would take Fantilli at one, unless if but I mean the Hawks need everything. And Bedard is the best way to start that franchise. So I think go with that. Um, Fantilli at two to Anaheim. I'm stoked, but we'll move on. Carlson at three to Columbus. Lou Carlson, a big Swedish center. Played in the World Juniors as an underager. Just classic two-way center. Super solid. Think Kopitar. Think, I think Kopitar is probably his best comp. Bigger guy, can move, can shoot. Like, solid NHL player he's going to be. Um, number four, I've got Will Smith going to San Jose. The Sharks need a center. Um, Eklund is probably going to end up playing wing in the NHL. I think he should. So get a guy like Will Smith in there, bring some more dynamic two-way play back to San Jose. They're kind of falling off the tracks a bit. Couture is in the back nine of his career. So bringing Will Smith in to kind of quote, fill that void will be huge. Um, Number five, Montreal is going to take David Reinbacher to go with Ooh. Caden Gooley. The prospects there. Um, Reinbacher kind of talked about him a bit earlier. Big right shot defenseman played for Austria. So a tough team to play for, but he munched a lot of minutes for that team and faced tough matchups when they played World Juniors. He's a guy to look out for. Number six, um, is Arizona. Arizona has picks at six and twelve. So I think that they're gonna the guy they're gonna take at twelve is gonna be uh, I'll just say the twelfth pick because he won't be on the draft quickly. Dmitry Simishev, who's one of the arguably the top defensive defensemen in, in this draft. Uh Russian Russian kid. He's gonna go 12 to Arizona, but six is gonna be Zach Benson. 
because Arizona needs some talent. Also, Benson played for the Winnipeg Ice, and I think Connor Geeky would really like that. The kid they took last year, um, in this in with the, their second pick of the draft, um, the Coyotes had three picks in the first round. The second one was um, the guys, the boys from Winnipeg Ice. So that was really cool. All right, and I think it's so. Let's go seventh overall. Um, Philadelphia's got this pick, and they're gonna take Ryan Leonard, who is a right winger, also American guy, um, played with Boston College, really good transition guy. Philly needs a lot of things in their system, and he's gonna be at that time. I would say the best available player to the Flyers in the draft. So Ryan Leonard at seven, number eight, Washington Capitals. Matt V. Mitchkov will go to the Washington Capitals and read and kind of take over the reins from Ovechkin. Um, this was kind of the thing. I this is what I've heard, and I didn't kind of didn't want to spoil this earlier. The talks of Mitchkov refusing to talk to teams. I think the one of the teams he's going to talk to is Washington. Yeah, and figure something out to get him over here quicker. Um, this kind of reminds me. I read this article about how Yarmir Yager was telling a bunch of teams in the draft that he wasn't going to be available for three years because of whatever commitments in, in the Czech Republic. And at the time it was Czechoslovakia. Um, but he ended up coming to the Penguins because he wanted to play with Lemieux and look how that turned out for that, for that franchise and for that player. So I think the same thing's going to happen here. Matthew Mitchkov will be a Washington capital. Is he energy ready? Pro- like right now? Do you think? Hard to say. I think he needs another year in Russia. Okay. Maybe two. He's going to have three anyways. I think he signed under contract with CSKA. So he has to stay in in Russia. Um, but once he comes over, he's going to be a menace. Like I said earlier, think Kucherov. That's crazy. As your ceiling, which is crazy. Like the, the stuff he could produce. Again, he was toe to toe with Connor Bedard in the U18s. So yeah. if that doesn't say something, I don't know what does. So. Um, Mitchkov to Washington at eight. And then number nine, I've got um, Oliver Moore going to the wings. Kind of like Dylan Larkin 2.0. Very speedy, quick guy, good two-way game for him. I like this pick in Detroit. Some A lot of experts have had him, have him in that 7 to 11 range. I think Ollie, Oliver Moore is a good pick. With the d- defense prospects the Wings have, I think the right choice is to go to a forward, and I think he's the best one I would take kind of based on their needs. Like I said, another Dylan Larkin. Who doesn't want Dylan Larkin on their team? So I would take Dylan Larkin on my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, so that brings us to number 10. Uh, I was really flipping with this one because it depends on what happens with Mitchkov. If Mitchkov goes way higher, then um, I would say Oliver Moore might go to St. Louis. But at 10... For St. Louis, we've got Dalibor Dvorsky, a Slovak player who is really in the World Juniors and is kind of has moved up and down the draft stock um, all year. But Dvorsky, like I said, Slovak guy, was really good showing in the World Juniors. Um, you know, he had, we had 40 points in 33 games with AIK in Sweden. So he's going to be yeah, quick guy, very Good goal scorers, agile, can move around the ice really well. Solid offensive player. St. Louis kind of you know trade away a lot of their ass- their assets, and getting a guy like him in their system is going to be huge. And that leaves me with um, number eleven to the Vancouver Canucks. The boys love this pick, and I talked about Tom Willander 
Um, we've talked about him. It will either be him or Axel Sandin Pelica. Yeah. Also a Swedish defenseman, which has been a very popular pick. Um, both those guys are well, there's a bit bigger. Sandin Pelica is a smaller guy, but man, can he move and he's a good player. Um, whatever team gets Sandin Pelica will be thriving and have like that prototypical modern day number one offensive defenseman that a lot of teams covet. And he's a right shot defenseman, which hard to argue with that. Um, I see the Canucks taking one of either of them and sending Pelico would be a great add on that Canucks team. Who I think they'll take Wellender. You think they'll take Wellender over Pelica? I think so. Yeah. I think so, but it's close. Yeah. I think like right shot defensemen are so like, they're, they're like gold. In the NHL, really cool. mm-hmm. if you have a number one center or a number one right shot defenseman, it's like you're in a good spot. So and that's why I have Ryan Bakker going so high. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's a that's a very interesting uh, top eleven there, uh, Scott. So to kind of build off that, I had a Montreal question because they're looking to move up from the fifth, but like realistically, what's it going to take for a team? two to four to say yes a lot you're gonna like if it's to anaheim you're giving up caulfield you're giving up that pick you're giving up a lot maybe even Aiden gooley your bit you i would say you're probably throwing in two of your best prospects and that pick for your second overall pick plus anaheim. more picks i would assume Definitely. Oh yeah. Maybe a second round, maybe a couple other pieces here and there Um, for three and four, like kind of the same. I don't think Columbus is going to move from three unless they think they can get more draft picks, Um, which again, for a team of Columbus isn't a bad thing. And same with San Jose, like maybe they trade, you know, you get four if if San Jose is sitting there and the guy they want, they don't get maybe, I don't know, let's just say Carlson maybe falls to four or maybe falls to, I don't know, Carlson doesn't go to Montreal if they trade up and Carlson's available at five for San Jose. Maybe they make that trade. Maybe Will Smith doesn't get taken at four for, there's so many moving parts. Maybe Mitch Cobb goes really early and that makes a guy like Reinbacher available so the team can move back. There's so many moving parts to it. And I think, like I said, kind of earlier in my mock draft, the biggest X factor here is Mitchkov because yeah. he could go as high. The Ducks won't take him. I don't think they would. That's not a Ducks pick. I think Fantilli is the right pick there, but Present, he could go as high. What are you? What's your reaction if Mitchkov goes too? Huh. It'd be stupid because they already have a guy that's high skilled, high dynamic, and Trevor Zegers. There's no reason to take another Mitchkov. Yeah. Like another guy like him. As good as I, Mitchkov could. Yeah, I love Fantilli's game, the way he throws the body around. I think it's perfect for what Anaheim. 6'2", 190 as an 18-year-old kid who played in college this year. Like, you don't, like, you have to draft that. You yeah. don't, you rarely trade for that. You rarely sign that in free agency. And a guy, like I said, this his ceiling's more messy. I, I truly believe that. And that's maybe a little biased, but I think he could be that good. Like he's a he could be a really special player. 
Did it scare time. you a bit when he said he might go back to Michigan? No. Nope. No, because it's good. he's going to have another year. He's going to dominate, and he's going to get that season more experience with those guys. And then come his age 19, 20 season, he's going to be like he's going to put some weight on. He's going to be stronger, faster, all these things. I think it's good. I, I may have misinterpreted uh, what he meant because I thought it was like he won't like go to the draft this year he'll go back to michigan and get drafted next year that's what where my mind went no 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 when i read that thing where it's like fentilli undecided about returning to michigan or not, i'm like is he really thinking about like pulling himself out of the draft this year like what's scott going to think about the ducks not getting fentilli <laughs> but then no like yeah, that, that, would, that would be upsetting no the ducks are going to draft adam and i think a lot of his, well, his decision is personal. Ultimately, it's not about what happened with the team. The Ducks aren't going to be good next year either. Like, there's no reason for him to go and play in the NHL. He might as well go play with a really good Michigan club that's really well coached and has a great facility, just great everything around it. And he's going to have a bunch of NHL drafted or prospect guys like in, in there as well, like with like-minded guys, and it'll be a good fit for him. And then come his time will come. And once the Ducks have kind of had some more players develop and they get better, then I think Ventilli comes in and will play either in that second line spot or possibly even play first line, depending on how McTavish is. Because McTavish is a hell of a player too. So Hayden knows this. I'm a huge advocate of not rushing your prospects. Like if fucking Bedard mm. needs a year in the minors, I'm more than happy to send him down. Chicago's going to be a fucking dumpster fire next year. Why like why force him to play in the NHL just because he's this generational talent? Like no, like block out the noise. Don't say like oh you drafted a kid who's NHL blah 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 like whatever. If he needs an extra year, why ruin his career by forcing him to play in a league he's not ready for yet? Like, I'm a huge advocate for taking time with your prospects because the draft is a long-term game. It is, yeah. Like, and, yeah. Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, they're not going to be contenders with these picks next year. Like, you got to think about, like, how they're going to be impacting. If they're NHL ready and they're fucking, if Bedard's ripping 75 points next year, then... Yeah, like, don't put him in the minors. He's obviously NHL ready, and he's producing with a shitty team. But, like, if he has five points in 25 games, why not, like, send him down or do whatever you need to do to, like, develop him? Like, there's no point in rushing your prospects. No, without a doubt. I, I just, I think, again, Bedard's 17 turning 18, yeah. and he's done all the things he's done in the, in the CHL. I think he's playing in the NHL next year, and be, especially he is small. But because he's got bite to his game, he's got a bit of, you know, he's not just going to roll over. He's got some bite. He's got some skill. He's he's a menace to play against. He's hard to stop. And even with NHL defensemen, he's been training with the Bowser guys, which most of them are NHL players. So he's looking off Crosby on a two-on-one. Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. That's yeah. He's got the confidence to do it. And he's such, he, he's such a good player. It's unbelievable. And you got a question for Scotty? Ah, yeah, I do. When do you think the first goalie will be taken? Oof, that's a good question. To be honest, I haven't looked at a whole lot of goalies. I don't think there's that many that are going to be around. Late second round is my my shot in the dark prediction. Um, it's goalies are weird, man. Like 
normally if there's a goalie that's going the first round, you're hearing about him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna they're gonna be sick. Like I would say, yeah, pro- definitely, definitely by the third round, probably the second round, I would expect to see a goalie or two. Um but like I said, goalies, it's just so hard to, to track development and you don't see goalies get good until they're 22, 23, mm-hmm. 24, right? Like goalies that are drafted in 2016, 17 are like some of them are now just kind of getting going with NHL time. And you look at Stuart Skinner. Skinner, I'm pretty sure, was drafted in 2016. Yeah. Was his draft year? Oh, yeah. Like That's crazy. Just now kind of breaking the surface of being a number one goalie that's seven years of grinding it in the, in the AHL and the ECHL and back in junior, like there's lots, yeah, lots going on there. And it's, um, um, yeah. So second, third round, I would say for a goalie. Rutherford and Alvin are shocking the world and drafting a goalie 11th overall book. it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? But yeah, Hey, like Demko came on as a starting goalie, like what, two years ago? Two, three years ago? Two, three years, yeah. He was drafted in 2014 or something like that. That's fucking crazy. Like, he was drafted, like, the, I'm pretty sure it was 2014 or 15. Like, it was before yes. Brock Besser, he it, was drafted. It was 2014 he was drafted. Yeah, and so it took yeah. him, like, six five, years. like, yeah, like, six years to, like, really get in the league, like, get the starting job. So it's, like, goalies are, like, you got to treat them, like. You got to work. Yeah, and like they're super fragile prospects that you really got to take your time with. But uh, uh, Scott, just a couple more here. Um, Vancouver Canucks obviously haven't taken the defenseman, but what direction do you think they should take with their pick at eleven? Oh, defenseman without a doubt. They the Canucks need a lot of things in their prospect pool, but um, I would say yeah, taking a defenseman would be the way I would go. Um, and it depends on kind of what the offseason entails for them. I don't see them not taking a defenseman, but if a guy like Oliver Moore, Ryan Leonard, Zach Benson fall to 12, I've seen Benson rated as high as five and as high and low as 15. So if a guy like that, that with that much talent is around, I would take him. Um, I still think they're going to go Willander, Sandy Pelica, um, Ryan Bacher, if I doubt he's going to be there, but if he's there, I would take him there. Um, at that range of the draft, it's kind of about needs, and the Canucks really need defensemen. So yeah. I would say they're going defensemen all the way. That's fair. I would go defensemen as well, especially with so many like great right shot defensemen in this draft. You have to take advantage of getting one of those guys. Getting one of them, although none of them are a list. Like some of the forwards at the top of the draft, they're still all really solid and could become top pairing defensemen in the league. Especially like an, Ek, like an Ekblad type. Reinbacher could be like Ekblad. Yes. Um, Sandy Pelica, less so. Think with him, think like Sergei Zubov. Okay. Type of vibes with him. Right. Think like that a little, little undersized, but super skill, super slick defenseman like Zubov, Dan Boyle type of deal. Oh, Dan Boyle. I remember him. Yeah, yeah you saw I remember it. him. Yeah, gold medalist with Team Canada. Yeah, he thinks if you could see a guy like him roaming the ice, like put Hughes on one pair with a you know solid defensive guy, put Sandy Pelica on another pair with another defensive guy, like 
There's a couple good right shots and a couple good defensemen right there. So, Ed, you got any more ammo for him? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. All right, well, uh, Scott, last question here in regards to draft day. Outside, uh, like teams moving up, whatever. What trades do you think you can see happen on draft day? Like, you don't have to go like exact trades team to team, but what players can you see being shipped off or teams moving up in the draft? For sure. Um, wow. There's, I mean, there's been all kinds of talk about Montreal at five, right? And I don't think any of the teams two, three, and four are going to budge. Um, one thing I will say that I think who is it? Detroit has five picks in the first two rounds. It might be six picks actually. No, it was five, um, including three in a row in the second round. So I would very much expect Detroit to maybe do something if they don't like, or if they don't get a player they like at eight or sorry, excuse me, at, um, at nine, nine for what for uh, Detroit. Sorry. Um, if that's if let's say I don't know let's say they're looking to get Ryan Leonard or let's just say hypothetical and they go and that player goes at seven then uh, maybe Detroit's looking to move down because their player is not available and get some more assets in return. Um, it's all a waiting game and it's all going to depend on the play on the players that get picked. To be honest, um, Detroit I could see making a move. Um, I also see Arizona maybe making a move either up or down, probably up maybe with one of their picks especially if they think they can get a defenseman let's say they take zach benson at six like i predict predicted and then at 12 there there's a couple defensemen that they want that are still available then they might move down to get another pick later in the draft if a team really is looking to get say i don't know colby barlow who's was on the cusp of my top 12 if you will um so many moving parts there, right? It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And um, yeah. What about St. Louis? They have a few picks in the first round. Do you think they could move up or down or package some of those first to get maybe a player, like a maybe a yeah. at to kickstart that retool? That retool? Yeah, you could definitely. Yeah, I would say that. I don't think Debrinket fits the Blues' needs or their play style. And they've got a guy in Jordan Cairo who's already really good. Um, but yeah, I could see them moving up to draft a guy because I think they've got their picks later in the first round. They're 25 and 29 late in the first round. They could, I mean, we saw it last year, Edmonton, Minnesota, or maybe a couple years ago now, um, where it was like a later first round pick and a second round pick for a earlier first round. And um, like I could see them going for a guy like Samuel Honzek. He just screams St. Louis Blues to me for whatever reason. I talked about him earlier being a big yeah. power forward. Like a good, he's, uh, he's a winger, so we could be like an O'Reilly replacement. Um, I also see a guy like Braden Yeager going late teens, like 17, 18, 19, 20. Like the Blues could trade those two first round picks for him. Braden Yeager's a Moose Warrior, super likable guy, good solid two way center. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I would say St. Louis. Detroit are probably the two biggest movers, especially with the number of picks they have in the first two rounds. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's about uh, all the drafting qu uh, questions we got for you. Um, this is, like, I'm really excited to see what uh, events come on draft day. 
It's a very exciting time. And uh, last year there was drama with Slavkovsky going first and Shane Wright dropping to four. So maybe Bedard will drop to 11 and come to his hometown, baby. <laughs> um, or but... the rest Pedersen, Quinn, and that pick for the first overall pick. And who well, knows? Hade sent a trade proposal, Pedersen, Demko, and the 11th for the first. Um, I I said I would do it to get Bedard. Um, I don't know if I do that for Chicago. Yeah, I wouldn't do that if I was Chicago. So, but yeah. no, it was very interesting. But uh, to end this episode off, hey, how about uh, you got something for us to, you know, quick lighthearted thing to do to end this episode? Hell yeah! Off? Hell yeah! What so. Basically, what it is, is you're going to have to guess the, who the player is. Now, Scott, I don't know if your knowledge on the NFL is as good as the the NHL. So we'll do we'll do two of each. All right. And you get to guess after each um, after each one. Okay. But if you don't get it, then we keep moving on. Okay. All right. So we'll start off with the with the NHL. And these are these are all relevant players in today's day and age. There's no like legends, no old timeies. They're all in today's day and age. Okay, is it is it just Scott playing this, or are we like are we like involved? Both. Are we like working? Are we working together to get this? Um, or is it no? Erased? You're doing it separately. Okay, I want to see who's better with the knowledge here. So we'll cool. start off with the NHL. We'll start off with the first one. So the first one. I was drafted 15th overall in the NHL draft in 2019. Ooh, okay. Is that the Jack? No, Jack, he's just 2018. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it... 15 seconds uh, each time I say it. So, I'm gonna wait a second. Do we, have to, do we have to guess? And then we keep, if we're wrong, we can keep going. Yeah. So I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to count down from, from 10 right now 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Yeah. Okay. Nothing. Not even a guess. Not even a shred. I don't know. I have guesses, but I know they're not right because I I do know the draft just, list. Just say them. It could be right. You never know. Time's out. Next clue. Next All clue. right. <laughs> I played college hockey from 2019 to two twenty uh two th- to two thousand and twenty one for the Wisconsin Badgers. Fifteen seconds start. So. Got it. Okay. Yeah, same here, Scott. Same time, Joe. It's Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty easy. Was that the Jack Hughes draft? That was 2019 was Jack Hughes. That was when a bunch of US players, Caulfield, Zegris, Spencer Knight. God, I I knew he was a year after Quinn, but I thought Quinn was 17, but Pedersen was 17, Quinn was 18, Hughes was 19. I honestly like if I got Jack cuz ah oh, damn it. I could have got that first try if I just got the years correct. Fuck. <laughs> I knew Habs drafted at 15. 
All right. All right. Well, All at right. least me and Scott. One one, I guess. Zero zero one one, whatever you want to call it. Good job, Scotty K. All right. So obviously that one's done. We'll go to an NFL one now. I was round one. Uh, I was picked in round one, 15 overall as well in the NFL draft of uh, oh my, my year deleted. Hold on. <laughs> Give me a second. I was like, Give dude, me a second. <laughs> I was like, dude, we're going to need a year here, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was drafted 15th overall in the first round. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, give me a second here. Let me. Oh God, this is bad. Um. All right. Drafted in 2020. Round one. I have 15. No... 15 overall. Is that? So like the the twenty twenty three draft just happened. So three years ago. I have no idea. I'm trying to think of who the first pick was. All right, I'm gonna count down. You get five. Next clue, Scott. Four. Next clue, I have no idea. All right, yeah. all right. Um, sorry, the fifteen second timer again. I played an. Alabama with multiple other first round picks that year. They won they won national championship that year too. Okay. Five or Jalen Waddle. Two one. Wrong. Sense. No idea. No idea. I think, yeah, I think okay. he was like twelfth overall or something. I know he went after Devontae Smith. I am a two time First, first team All SEC player. Five, four, three, two, one. Nothing. Nothing. Jeff. Uh, Devonta Smith. No. Didn't you just say Devonta Smith? I said Jalen Waddle. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a receiver for an AFC team. What the fuck? What receiver for Bama? Five, four, three, two. My brain's one. about to melt right now. <laughs> What's the next clue? Do you have nothing? No. All right, moving think- on. Oh, I know. I play for a team with an animal as a logo. Five. It's not Jamar Chase because he's LSU. Nope. And he was drafted in 2022. That's right. Yeah. Jeff? This Alabama receiver? Mm Mm-hmm. Receiver. 2020, 15th overall. I can't think of who the first pick in 2020 was. Usually if I get the first pick, I get the rest of the class. Alright, last clue. God, so I currently wear the number 10. Ooh. This is so embarrassing. Number 
five, four. It's not three, Tyreek Hill, is it? No. Two, no. Two, one. Jeff, last guess. Oh my God. You've named all of the Alabama SEC receivers. Well, no, there's actually still one, and that's what it is. <laughs> all right, come on. I guess. Three, two, one, guess. I, I can't. Jerry um, Judy. I would have. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about Judy. <laughs> Scott, that is really embarrassing because he, like, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. there's a picture of, like, all three of them walking together, and yeah. I know Jeff's seen that picture. Oh, no way. <laughs> Aaron, you, Ian would have probably got that in, like, seconds. He would have known exactly the pick. And I think as soon as I said two-time first-time, uh, first-team all-SEC player, he would have gotten it. For right. some reason, he just has that random knowledge. He does, yeah. All right. Wild. Second yeah. hockey one here. Yeah. I was drafted ninth overall in the NHL draft in 2015. Got it. Wait, uh, hold on. Okay. Maybe. Ninth overall 2015. Miko Randon? No. And time's up. Um, Nikola Ehlers. No. All right. But... All right. Qu- uh, clue number two. I played in Switzerland before making my professional career debut, uh, professional oh, debut in 2016. Yeah, Timo Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. The second clue for you guys is insane here. <laughs> was Miko, Miko Randon was that year, though? Miko went 10th overall in five. Fucking yeah, it was nine or and, ten. And Nikola Ehlers went ninth overall in 2014. All right, who who got that first? Was that Scott again? Scott got it first. All right. Well, Scott's won, but just for shits and gigs. Wait, Here it's we two go. one. Two, two one? one? We still tied up. Oh tie oh. We both got we both got Caulfield. We didn't get the second one, and then he got this one. Okay. So he's up by one. Okay. Tie tie it up. Tie it up. I was drafted round one, pick 18 in the 2015 NFL draft. I don't know if I go back that far. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect it to be to to get it on the uh, the first one here. What pick, sir? 15 or 18, 18, 18. 18 from the 2015 NFL draft, right? Who was 2015? Very out of my element here, but I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna try. All right, guess. No idea. Jeff? Yeah, I have no idea. All right. I played for the Washington Huskies in my college career. It's like one of the most famous Washington Huskies. <laughs> I don't know a lot of college football, so I went to a Huskies game like <laughs> four years ago. You wouldn't have been on the team. Next clue? I have no idea. Jeff? Uh, yeah, next clue. I have played for three NFL teams. All have been in the AFC. 
What was? Who was in twenty? No, it's not no, Chase he was in twenty twenty one. Draft. I think. And he went to Notre Dame. <laughs> See, that shows you how much I know about the NFL. Yeah. I I didn't. I I don't know if I was like. Like followed NFL this deep around 2015, and like I don't drafts and stuff are my biggest weakness. Oh, I lied. Sorry, I'll give an extra extra second. Just looking it over. Um, two teams have been in the AFC and one team in the NFC. Doesn't help. <laughs> so, so to, to add on a little bit more, since I kind of did that, the teams were. Or are the Chiefs, Ravens, and Rams? I think this is a bad guess. Yeah. But I know he's played on two of these teams Orlando Brown, the no. offensive tackle. Okay. I think he's not that old. I don't think. The tackle, I think he's a bit I, younger. I think he he could be. I think he was like 2019 draft or something. No, because he was just getting he he was just getting uh paid. I'm pretty sure. 2018. Yeah, okay. A couple years ago, yeah. Um all right, next clue. Next clue. I'm a two-time first-team All-Pro and two-time second-team All-Pro and a three-time Pro Bowler. Position would he be? 15, 18, that screams wide receiver. Chiefs, Ravens. Five, four. Three, two, one. Oh. No, no, no. You just got. You just got to say it for the guess. I guess Marquise Brown, but he was way later. Yeah, he was way later. I am an elite cornerback. for the Chiefs. Oh, hopefully I'm getting this name right. Yeah, Marcus Peters. It is Marcus Peters. <laughs> also, would have never gotten that. Yeah, <laughs> these quite. Uh, I knew going hockey and football orientated. I'm like, could be two sides of the table here. I'm thoroughly impressed with how quickly you guys got those hockey ones. Okay, give us. Pull up a hockey player and we'll quickly do 20 or we'll do uh like, pull up like his hockey DB and then give us like random clues and first one to get it wins because it's two 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 right yeah, now. Tiebreaker. Okay, okay, okay. Um I found the player. All right. Scott, guest of the show, you can... Or I guess like, Hayden will just give us clues and we'll He'll just give us yeah. clues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. And I'll throw in a rule here. If you guess and get it wrong, you can't guess until the 
Next guy guesses. I like it. I like it. It's good okay. roll. So I played, or this person played one game in the 2013 to 2014 season. And in that game, had a goal on one shot. Okay. Played one game. I had a goal. One goal on one shot. Okay, next clue. All right. He has played for two teams, but most recently played for his second team this year. Five. Wait, so like his I quite I don't know if I'm misunderstanding the question. So like, from 2013 to 2014. Like he just recently played this year, or like he played his like his first time playing with the second team was this past yes. year. Yes. Okay. So okay. okay. Next clue. Next clue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, he has one of the coolest nicknames in all of the NHL, purely because of his name. Hmm. Okay. What the fuck? He was drafted. This is his draft. He was drafted in 2011 in the fourth round and the 13th pick, so 104th overall. Cool nickname. One goal and one shot. Damn. No, that's tough. Nothing yet? Really, but I don't know. Okay. Okay. His his first team was a Canadian team. His second team is an American team. (sighs) But Um, he himself is American. So American with a cool nickname. Patrick Kane. No, it was no. He was 2007 draft. Okay, now I, I have a guess until you can go. Um, give us the next clue, please. All right. He his nickname Showtime. That is a stick nickname. I'll give you that. Nah, he's played for two American teams. I'm he has you. the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy under his belt in the 2016 to 2017 season. Okay, so drafting to the 11th, fourth round. Play for two teams. Canadian team for a long time, now an American team. Um, I completely missed the draft year. I don't know why I guess Patrick Kane. That was dumb. Okay. Um. Wow. Just thinking here. Fourth round. Okay, give us the next clue. Oh man, getting getting down to the clues here. Um. Oh fuck. Okay. Uh 
I'm just going to have to do it. I can't believe you guys have gone this long. The Canadian team he played for was the Calgary Flames. So he was drafted by the Flames as well. Oh. 2011. Yeah. But he didn't play his his first year until uh, 2013-2014. I think I have a guess, but I already guessed and got it wrong. So, Scott's. Now, Scott, purely just for entertainment, I'm going to make you guess this one. Yeah, no, that's fair. I love it. Um, okay, the player is drafted in the fourth round. Oh, my God. Um, Calgary Flames, now an American team. Yeah, I got it. You got it, yeah. He does. I feel like I do know it, but as soon as you say I'm going to know it. But the player is... Um, Oh yeah, now it all just makes sense. <laughs> Did you yeah. search it up? No, I prom- I my hands are down here. I was sitting well, on my hands. like like by now, just to. No, I haven't searched anything. Okay, out. okay, okay, okay. Fair, fair, fair. Definitely not Sam Bennett. Um, definitely not Sam Bennett. The player is. Um. Oh my God! This is gonna kill me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Hayden's laughing. I should know this already. I should definitely know this. Yeah, um, you should know this. I should know this. <laughs> this is really, really bad. All right, you have 15 seconds, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, Damn, he's showing him the timer, too. Pressure's on. The player is... Um... It's not March Judah, but March Judah, I guess. It's not March Judah. No, nope. it's, John, it's Johnny Hockey. It's Johnny Hockey. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. He was drafted when he was playing like fucking beer league or whatever in Cal in uh, Boston. His mom came in on the phone and was like, hey, there's some guy on, from Calgary's calling you about the draft or whatever. Oh, crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. As soon as he said, good fact, as soon as he said, as soon as you said Calgary, I was like, oh, Fuck, of course. Johnny Hockey. Yeah. First year with Columbus was this series American. I was I thought about saying Sean Monahan, but that also wasn't right either because he hasn't played yeah. for American team. Yeah, and he's Canadian too. But yeah, he's Canadian too. Well, well that was probably some really bad podcasting at the end, but <laughs> nonetheless, it was a wicked, absolutely unbelievable episode. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you had a good time. Making your return to the podcasting game. Um, let, the people, let the people know where they can find you if you're uh, wanting to plug any social media of some sort. Yeah, uh, just my Instagram is the easiest. So it's my first name, Scott, last name Konkin, all all one word, uh, 21. So Scott Konkin, 21 is my Instagram. Uh, I'm not as active on the social media these days. Things are busy with life and school and all the things. and um yeah syp pod if you're looking to see what we what we've done before um myself my good buddy ian mcnaughton as many of you know um of the show end of the show not a big deal um good guy does the podcast he's he's a busy man with the everett silver tips but if you want to go check out the everett silver tips instagram page um he has a big hand in the things they do there he doesn't run it anymore he's moved on to better bigger and better things but he's um busy with the team so you'll see him lots on social media and 
yeah, just go go support the boys and give yeah give lots of love to Left Side Heavy. Thanks for having me on again, boys. I really appreciate it. It's been uh, a pleasure and getting me back in the podcast game. It's good. So it was, a hell, of, it was a hell of a time, man. Um, we didn't pay him to say that either, Hid. So <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, beautiful words. Uh, where can the people find you, Hid? On Instagram and Twitter at Hayden underscore Barton. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.Lefave, on Twitter at JevinLefave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LeftSideHeavy underscore. And watch on YouTube, LeftSideHeavy. Subscribe, like, comment, and share. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to Scott for coming on the show and giving his draft analysis. Hopefully you're a little bit more educated on the prospects. Draft is next week. And awards are next week. So we'll have that recap and draft little draft preview as well. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.